Welcome to the Defender Bible Study, a weekly encouragement to equip the body of Christ through the study of Scripture and prayer to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children around the world. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, where we believe that defending the fatherless begins by being rooted in God's Word. It's Monday, June 7th, 2021, and I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. Well, today we are starting a new study on the book of 2 Thessalonians. As you know, we've just completed our walk through 1 Thessalonians, and we're continuing these two epistles that Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica. And today we'll look specifically at 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. And so as we begin Paul's second epistle to the church at Thessalonica, we see that the theme is the second coming of Jesus. It dominates 2 Thessalonians just as it dominated 1 Thessalonians. Jesus' coming will be preceded by rebellion and by the revelation of the man of lawlessness, the Antichrist. When Jesus comes, he will defeat this rebellious world ruler and bring justice to oppressed Christians. And his judgment will be known to the persecutors of Christ followers and to unbelievers in general. Both letters portray the second coming as a sudden and unwelcome surprise for unbelievers. In contrast to an anticipated and joyous event for those who are in Christ. Probably Paul wrote 2 Thessalonians soon after sending his first letter that is contained in 1 Thessalonians because he had received a report that the situation at Thessalonica had taken a surprising turn. 2 Thessalonians 3 chapter 11 says, For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. You see, the same urgency to stand strong and stand firm resonated in 2 Thessalonians just as it did in 1 Thessalonians. Paul knew and Paul saw that there was an urgency. There was a, there was a need to do something. Brothers and sisters, as we study 2 Thessalonians and we look to eternity and we understand that God's justice, righteous judgment will occur, we need to understand that there is urgency to share the Great Commission. So five key themes that we will see as we study this letter. And the first is just that, that God's righteous judgment will occur when Jesus returns and unbelievers will be condemned and believers will be saved. Brothers and sisters, God's righteous judgment will occur when Jesus returns and unbelievers will be condemned. We must continue to preach the gospel to those who are perishing. God will come back. And while that will be glorious for those of us who are in Christ, it will be a day of bitter, harsh judgment for unbelievers when they will be condemned. But the second theme that we see from 2 Thessalonians is that Christ's glory will be shared through believers. So as believers, we don't just look at unbelievers and say, well, you're going to be condemned, but we share the glory of Christ to them. We We share the gospel of Christ with them. We don't let them see Christ's glory for the first time at his return when they will be judged, but we show him his 
glory now in the way that we act, in the way that we love, in the way that we show our faith, and in the way that we share the gospel. But then the third key theme we see from 2 Thessalonians is that there are signs leading up to Christ's return. So certainly while the gospel tells us, and it's true, that, that Christ will come back like a thief in the night, that no man will know the hour or the day, there are signs leading up to Christ's return. There will be rebellion. There will be an antichrist who will deceive and turn the world into lawlessness. There are signs leading up to Christ's return. But beloved, we don't know the day or the time of his return, just like we don't know the day or time when one will depart this life. So there's urgency still in preaching the gospel, not in getting out charts and trying to figure out when the end time will be, but in preaching the gospel now while there is time. The fourth theme we see from this letter is that unbelievers will continually be deceived which guarantees their condemnation at Jesus's return. Oh, brothers and sisters, I see that in our culture now where unbelievers are continually deceived. This culture is trying to tell them that personal autonomy is right. Whatever you want to do, that's what's right. And anyone that tries to tell you something different, they're wrong. And that's just the the deceiving of unbelievers believing that their sin is justified, believing that their lifestyle is justified, believing that they can do and be whomever they want to be. Oh, beloved, let's pray for those who do not believe in Christ. Let's pray for those who are being deceived, that the Lord would open up their heart and open up their mind and open up their eyes to see his grace and his gospel. But the fifth key theme that we see from the study of this letter is that believers must show love and kindness to one another as the family of God. Believers must show love and kindness to one another as the family of God. We show whose we are and who we belong to by the way that we love our family, by the way that we belong to our family. And that leads us today into our key passage, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses one through five. Paul says this, Paul, Silvanus, or Silas, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We are always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Therefore, we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith in all your persecutions and in the afflictions that you are enduring. This is evidence of the righteous judgment of God that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are also suffering. This is Paul's letter, but he wants the church at Thessalonica to understand that these truths are shared truths between he, Timothy, and Silas, or Silvanus. All three of these men share the same love, concern, and burden for this church. The Lord had used these three to birth this church on a missionary journey, and so they feel a deep affection for the well-being of these saints. And Paul's initial encouragement comes to the church when he reminds them that they are in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, God the Father, that shows our God's care, His sustenance, protection, provision, and discipline. To be in the Father means that we are in His care and under His protection. 
But then this title of the Lord Jesus Christ shows his authority, his leadership, and his ownership. To be in the Lord means that we are in his charge, under his authority, and we are his possession. You see, this greeting reminds the church and reminds us today as believers that we are family and a community of servants. We see these same attributes repeated in verse 2, which speaks to the deep needs of all of God's children, which are rescue and help. We all need these, and the reminder is that we are in God's rescuing provision and His consistent grace and peace for our times of trouble. We need a Heavenly Father to see us and rescue us from our sin and rebellion. We need His help at every step of the way because we are weak and vulnerable. We also need the Lord to guide us in wisdom with a commission to fulfill. Our greatest need is not just safety but a heavenly calling and a charge to live for. We need a merciful Father to be our protector and our Lord to be our champion, commander, and leader in our mission. So four truths that we see from this introduction to 2 Thessalonians. The first is this, faith and love must fuel Christian community. Verse 3 says, Your faith is growing abundantly, and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Paul focuses in on verse 3 as cause for great rejoicing. Faith is a response to grace and shows confidence in God's care. And love is the response to grace, both to God and to others. The care of God the Father is to be trusted in faith. And the charge of Jesus the Lord is to be obeyed in love. As Father, we trust Him to meet all of our needs. And as Lord, we follow Him in the paths of love. Do we have a strong confidence in God for our future? And do we have a visible, genuine love for each other? We as a community seeking to manifest the gospel to vulnerable children and families need this confidence in Christ, along with an overflow of love for one another. So let us seek to live with those we are on mission with in an understandable way, seeking to always give the benefit of the doubt and ample room for grace with one another in the same way that we have been shown grace by the Father. But the second truth we see from this introduction is, there is great beauty to the Lord when we are growing in faith, grace, and love. Paul does not say that he thanks God simply because they have faith and love, but because their faith is growing abundantly and their love for each other is increasing, verse 3. This growth brings delight, worship, and fulfillment to our Father. We are a work in progress. Sanctification is a process. We must not give up, but continue to pursue the Lord. This beauty brings both peace and rebuke. It comforts us because we know we have not arrived at where we should be in our faith and our love for each other. It is comforting to know that the Christian life is a process of growth, not instant perfection. However, this is rebuke as well because there may be opportunities for growth that we have ignored and in turn resisted what the Spirit was trying to do in our life. So are we pursuing growth in our walk with the Lord? Are we a community of believers who are consistently looking to pursue Christ more holy in the mundane, in the difficult, and in the life-giving task before us? Are we loving only those who are easy to love and loathing others? 
Or are we loving like Christ loved us? And this brings us to truth number three, and that's that God's grace is powerful. Whatever growth we see is a manifestation of God's powerful grace. Paul says in verse three, we all always give thanks to God. The reason is fitting for God to get the thanks. It is because God did the decisive work. This is why not growing in the Christian life is so dangerous. If God is the one who gives growth and he commands that we grow, then not to be growing means one of two things. Either God is not present in our life or we are grieving and rebelling against the Holy Spirit. You see, we must strive for growth in our faith and for increases in our love for one another. None of us has arrived, and we live in this fallen world with all of its lies and deceptions. So to not grow means drifting backward toward destruction. But this brings us to the fourth truth. Persecution and affliction are God's design for our growth. 2 Thessalonians 1.4 says, Therefore we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith in all your persecutions and in the afflictions that you are enduring. Faith and love will flourish in the midst of persecution and afflictions. Paul says he boasted of this church to other churches because of the Thessalonians' endurance and faith in the midst of persecutions and afflictions. And beloved, this is precisely God's design and plan. After mentioning their endurance of persecution and affliction, Paul says in verse 5 that this is evidence or proof of God's righteous judgment. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5, This is evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God, for which you are also suffering. The affliction of believers is part of God's judgment, which is just, but also is a part of His plan for our sanctification, our holiness, and our growth. The persecution of believers, and if anyone, is sin. But in the wise and sovereign hands of God, the persecution of Christians actually becomes the expression and proof of his righteous, loving judgment. God uses his discipline and his judgment to produce righteous endurance in us. He strengthens us to have resolve for the days to come and to keep our gaze on the hope of his return. So as we close, maybe even for a benediction, the writer of Hebrews expounds on this in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 3 through 11, when he says, Consider him who endured such opposition or hostility from sinners against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have earthly fathers who discipline us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as it seemed best to them. 
but he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but latter it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Beloved, God designed for suffering of his people is that they would be found worthy of the kingdom on the last day. He gives us a community of believers so that we can persevere, encourage one another, and strengthen our weaker brothers and sisters. As we continue to point our eyes with endurance to the second coming of Christ, let us not just look with hope and faith to that second coming, but let us look with urgency to preach the gospel, to show the gospel, and to manifest this glorious gospel to orphans, vulnerable children, and vulnerable families. Well, thanks for joining us for the Defender Bible Study. This week, we are praying for the country of Bulgaria. We're specifically praying for the waiting children and the Roma children. Many children in Bulgaria are older, are in part of larger sibling groups, or children with severe medical special needs. These children receive little to neglectful care, and the orphanage conditions many times are very harsh. Of course, the Roma children face severe discrimination in Bulgaria. So pray that Christ's followers in Bulgaria would minister to this group of people, and pray that families would continue to be open to adopting Roma children. We pray for families who've been matched and are waiting to travel to get their children. We pray that they would rely on the Lord during this uncertain time. We pray for families who are struggling with fear and anxiety during this time and that the Lord would comfort them. We pray for our team, both our team here in the U.S., Jana and Jackie and Brianna and Toria and Sarah Ann and Timmy Ann, as they continue to find the best way to advocate for Bulgaria. And we also praise the Lord for our partners in Bulgaria, for FNA and uh, for Nadia and others in Bulgaria. We also praise the Lord for what he is doing through the Bulgarian program and how we have seen many older children and children with special needs come home to forever families. We praise the Lord for those who are called to adopt children with Down syndrome and other types of medical needs from Bulgaria. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for the opportunity to serve you in Bulgaria. We're grateful for the ways that we have seen you place these children into homes where they have seen and heard and know the gospel. But Lord, today we continue to pray, especially for the Roma children who face severe discrimination. We pray that your children, Christ followers in Bulgaria, would minister to this group of people. We pray that families would continue to be open to adopting Roma children. We pray that the Roma population would be accepted and would be loved and would be nourished by believers in Bulgaria. We also pray for the waiting children, especially for those with medical or severe medical special needs. We pray that you would care for and protect these children. We pray that you would send families that, that want to bring these children into their homes. And we pray for more families to be led to adopt the waiting children of Bulgaria. We pray for these older or children in larger sibling groups, that they would have hope and that they have perseverance and that you would hold them in the palm of your hand. We pray for families who are in the process, especially those who are matched and waiting for travel. We pray that they would rely upon you, Lord, during this uncertain time. Would you give them strength? Would you give them hope? Would you give them perseverance? We pray for them as they struggle with fear and anxiety. We pray that you would comfort them. 
Lord, we thank you for our team, especially our U.S. team, for Janet and Jackie and Brianna and Toria and Sarah Ann and Timmy Ann. We pray they continue to find the best way to advocate for the Bulgaria program. We also pray for our partners, for FNA, who advocate so well for the Bulgarian children. We pray for Nadia as well at FNA. God, we pray for the salvation of those at FNA and that we pray that our families would be intentional in sharing the gospel while in country. We pray that as the FNA team receives children's files and puts them on the waiting list, that they would have wisdom to do so and they would be sustained in their work day to day. We also pray for the officials in Bulgaria over child welfare, that you would show them your love and that you would give them great grace. Praise the Lord for families who are called to adopt from Bulgaria, especially those who are open to older children and children with medical special needs. We praise the Lord for the Bulgaria program and pray it will continue to grow and we will continue to see children placed in forever homes. We praise the Lord for all of the families who are called to adopt children with Down syndrome or other medical needs from Bulgaria. Lord, would you surround them with your love and your grace and your mercy. Lord God, would your gospel go forth in Bulgaria from every corner of the country would your gospel be made made known and would many come to glorious praise of our great God. It's in your great name that we pray, in the name of Jesus, amen. Thanks again for joining us for the Defender Bible Study. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Bible Study to make it easier for more people to find. For more resources and information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, please visit us at lifelinechild.org. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. We look forward to seeing you again next week for the Defender Bible Study. Music